What's up ladies and gentlemen, it's Mr. C from The C Report, and I'm stopping in for just a sec to encourage you guys to head over to thecreport.com. At thecreport.com you can get more information on The C Report, check out episode resources, follow our blog and get new articles every week, join our mailing list, and stay abreast on the latest news and information. That's right, head on over to thecreport.com, that's www.thecreport.com, and be sure to follow us on our social medias, Truth Social, Rumble, Twitch, Clout Hub, and Pilt.net. Good afternoon, Texas. Good afternoon, America. Welcome to a brand new edition of Lone Star State News coming to you guys live here um, over at the foxhole.net, uh, foxhole.net, rumble.com, twitch.tv, uh, trovo.live, clouthub.com, and Odyssey. Don't forget that's O-D-Y-S-E-E. -E. I think that's a dot com also. Hey guys, if you're joining us live this afternoon, welcome, welcome, welcome. Come on in. Welcome to Lone Star State News. I am your host, Mr. C. Coming to you guys live on this Monday, November 7th. Ladies and gentlemen, we're live and we're early today. Uh, earlier than normal anyways, um, over here at Mr. CTV, typically Lone Star State News is a 3 p.m. Central Time affair, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, that's when the mailman knocks twice, as it were. But uh, today we're a bit early because we've got uh, some stuff going on at Mr. CTV on this Monday, the day before Election Day, midterm 2022. 
Uh, so we have a President Trump rally this evening at, uh, well, the president is due to hit the stage at 7 p.m. in, uh, I think, Valalia or Vandalia, Ohio, the Dayton area of Ohio. So we'll be live there this evening. Uh, I imagine we'll probably, we'll be doing another C-Report slash um, Save America rally amalgamation. So I imagine we'll be live maybe about five-ish, maybe sooner. That's why we're on early this afternoon at Lone Star State News, because I got to get some Texas news out to you guys. And let me tell you what, y'all. I've got a jam-packed show ahead for you guys. So I know uh, we were scheduled for like a, a one, 1 o'clock p.m. Central start time. And um, well, ladies and gentlemen, what can I say? I, I this, We got a jam-packed episode, Lone Star State News, this afternoon. Texas friends, Texas family, Mr. CTV audience members, welcome on in. Come on in and uh, get yourselves comfortable. We'll be here for at least the next hour. I'm going to try and get through every story that I have lined out for you guys. Um, keeping in mind that we do have, again, midterms tomorrow, Tuesday, ladies and gentlemen, tomorrow, Tuesday. And I have not even decided what I'll be doing for election day tomorrow. I mean, aside from voting, obviously, because I saved my vote for election day. Obviously, I saved my vote, right? You know? Uh, I don't, I don't think I, I don't think I've voted early since I've started voting, ladies and gentlemen, which, you know, admittedly was late in life, right? I think I want to say the first ballot I ever casted was in 2008, but I feel like it was in 2006. It might've been five. Anyways, um, uh, that's aside from the point. So tomorrow, obviously we got elections here and uh, I'll be at the polls early tomorrow. And I don't early vote, but I do vote early. Okay. Anyways, so <laughs> I vote early on election day. It's, it's usually a morning affair, ladies and gentlemen, cool weather. You know, I usually walk to my polling place. It's, it's, right up my uh my typical walking trail so it's a wonderful thing to do you know because that's the crazy thing that i learned i didn't know about elections in my county in texas and bear county ladies and gentlemen you can vote at whatever you know willy-nilly precinct you want to i could i could go all the way to district three bear county no, no, I mean, I take it back. I could go all the way to District 3 San Antonio and vote there if I wanted to. Why would I do that, right? I could go to the outskirts of the county line, right? I can go uh, I can go over to, uh, I don't know, uh, Helotus or Converse or something, I guess. And even though I'm a San Antonio resident, I can go vote over there. Now, you know, I was actually, last night, I was pulling together today's episode because I knew I was going to be on a little bit early, right? And I was like, let me let me start getting some of stuff together, you know? And um, I ended up going on a little bit of a rabbit hole down my state representative's hole, rabbit hole, you know? I mean, oh, you don't want to go down your state representative's rabbit hole, trust me. Uh, but I was looking at all our state reps. So I could tell you, I could tell you, ladies and gentlemen, I mean, just based on like, you know, uh, snap judgment, right? Uh, snap judgment's not always a good thing, but snap judgment can also be a good thing, right? It's like, uh, it's that whole uh, f first thought, right thought kind of thing. Anyways, you know, your gut feeling, uh, the rep for Converse, okay, in Bear County, if I were to go vote in her, one of her precincts, ladies and gentlemen, I would probably be disenfranchised, okay? 
So I'm telling you, there's a reason why the good Lord gave us the United States Constitution and the Constitution of this here republic. The state of Texas is a republic. Let's not forget, guys. Uh, and uh, the good Lord gave us these divine documents, ladies and gentlemen, for a reason. Now, Bear County decided to deviate from that and allow the Bear County voters to vote wherever they want. I will still vote in my precinct, ladies and gentlemen, because that's the way it should be. Okay. You might as well not vote with an ID and uh, you might as well, uh, you know, I don't know, uh, sign up for as many provisional ballots as you want in uh, the Converse district, right? I ain't going to go vote over there. I ain't going to go vote over there. It's bad enough that my precinct is Democrat control. Anyhow, guys, so thanks for joining us again this afternoon on Lone Star State News. Uh, let me see here. Anything else? So, yes, get ready for an early sea report this afternoon. Uh, I, I believe Java, uh, co-host extraordinaire, will also be writing alongside for that one, um, you know, and uh, we'll do that a little bit later on this afternoon. Okay, guys, uh, a great weekend, by the way. We've had a busy one. Yesterday, we were live with the Sea Report uh, doing a Save America rally in Miami, Florida. It was a good one, guys. I recommend you go back and check out the replays. Go, ch go check it out on Pilled. Go check it out on Rumble. Go check it out on Odyssey, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, great, great rally last night or last, yeah, actually yesterday afternoon. It was about, uh, it was about uh, 3, 4 p.m. Central Time. Uh, 4, 420, 430, the good president took the stage in Miami, Florida to a jam-packed crowd, ladies and gentlemen, in the rain, probably a very, the probably one of the best uh, Save America rallies I have witnessed to date. Uh, admittedly, I have, uh, I have missed a handful of them, but uh, still probably one of the best I've seen. So go check that out, guys. If you haven't seen it, go get you go get yourself, you know, amped up. Go get yourself, you know, juiced up. Go watch the Save America rally from yesterday. You can catch it over at Mr. CTV. We uh, did a live stream watch party kind of event. So it was a great time. Plus, it was an episode of the Sea Report. We'll do it again this evening. We'll do it again this evening. Stay tuned for showtimes, ladies and gentlemen. Stay tuned for showtimes. Uh, also just have to mention last night, uh, we had a documentary drop by, uh, the Tory says outfit, the crew over there, uh, called enjoy the show. So, uh, we also broadcasted that as well. I did a mirror of it because, um, whenever Shadowgate dropped, uh, ladies and gentlemen, that thing was banned in minutes. And I was like, uh, it seems like this, uh, documentary could have had the same, type of reaction indeed for the information it released guys uh i would recommend you guys go watch it if you can find it i haven't i've not scouted around to see if it's been banned or, or yet so far today i've been working on the show all morning today but we did a we did a broadcast mirror of the live stream yesterday uh probably about 15 or 20 minutes after um the tory says crew started theirs uh, over on rumble um, and so, uh, we'll probably broadcast that again in the next, maybe we'll do it tonight again. Maybe we'll do it tomorrow. Uh, but we'll do that again so that we can, we'll broadcast it on all of the net. I just need to see what happened. I don't know if it was banned. I don't know if people who, who broadcasted, it got kicked off of 
you know, the internet or censored. It could have happened. I don't know. I mean, it happened with Shadowgate. So, uh, you know, it could have happened. Enjoy the show was the name of it. So uh, we did that last night. That was a pop-up that we were not expecting. I was not expecting that here at Mr. CTV. So that was actually, I recommend, well, we'll, we'll do it again. Uh, I think you can catch the replay on the Foxhole, well, on Pill.net at the moment. It would be my best recommendation for that. All right, guys. So let's go ahead and start spilling into our Texas news. I've got a full show ahead for you all. If you're interested in what is happening in the Lone Star State, we'll have a little bit of frame of the midterm elections over today's episode, obviously, because we've got we've got uh, we've got election day tomorrow, guys. This is the moment we've been waiting for. So uh, on the bill for today, we'll talk a little bit of uh, George Soros and his attempts, his, his last-ditch efforts to fund his uh, runaway rogue district attorneys in the state of Texas. We'll talk Ken Paxton, our state AG incumbent and uh, Trump-endorsed. I might add, you guys probably know who I'm voting for in that race. That's a no-brainer, ladies and gentlemen. We'll talk Tony Tinderholt, a state representative who is challenging Dade Phelan for the House Speakership. Now, you'll want to stick around for this one, guys, because especially if you're a Texas resident, we're trying to get to know our state representatives and state senators in the state house who do not merit the rhino alert. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, they do not merit the rhino alert. So uh, we'll talk Tony Tinderholt and we'll talk Dade Phelan. And uh, well, guys, you probably already know about Dade Phelan and his rhinocerousnessnessnessness. So uh, that'll be a good one. And we'll wrap up today talking the Texas Railroad Commissioner's race. You know, for some people, this is a difficult one. You know, for some people, this is a difficult one. Uh, but uh, we'll get to that, ladies and gentlemen. You're joining us live here at Lone Star State News. And uh, well, this is your news, ladies and gentlemen, for the state of Texas this afternoon. Again, it is a win, uh, Monday, 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 November 7th, 2022. And I'm your host, Mr. C. Okay, guys, let's talk some Texas news. What do you say? All right, we're going to start with your favorite, everyone's favorite daddy, George Soros, right? <laughs> George Soros, ladies and gentlemen, everyone has come to know, everyone has come to find out, everyone has come to discover that George Soros, ladies and gentlemen, is uh, probably the bane of all freedom and free humanity, right? He is probably the enemy of all free humanity. In fact, I would have to say in the state of Texas, it's good to see that we have so many um, uh, representatives, uh, at many levels, you know, when I say representatives, I don't just mean the state representative to the state house, right. Uh, of, of Texas. I mean, up and down the board, right. Including the governor, right. Including the governor, even governor wheels, Abbott himself, ladies and gentlemen has, uh, has in fact, uh, called out, George Soros for his funding. You know, uh, everyone is aware of the fact that George Soros has funded election campaigns for progressive 
or left-leaning Democrat type of figures um, across the nation. And he has also done good work of that here in the Lone Star State as well. I mean, let it be known, let it be understood. Everyone is aware, guys. Everyone is aware. I, I had to do it, guys. I don't know if any of you all noticed. I just uh, I changed my little banner color here from uh, Aggie, Aggie Maroon to... Uh, Horns burnt orange. Anyways, okay, so I could, it was bothering me. Anyways, guys, okay, all right. You know, the red looks good. The, the, the maroon looks good, I gotta say. The maroon looks good, but uh, I'm just being honest. Okay, so anyways, okay, uh, that's kind of burnt orange. Anyways, okay, so uh, for those who know, you know. Anyways, guys, so as I was saying, as I was saying, we're getting back to George Soros, okay? <laughs> We'll see how long this burnt orange lasts. Look. Okay, anyways, so uh, <laughs> getting back to George Soros, ladies and gentlemen, far more important matters here, right? Getting back to George Soros. Uh, you know, we've talked about him at length here at Lone Star State News. Uh, we uh, shelled out a list of his uh, top five here in Texas. I think he only has five, but let's hope, right? Because uh, I'm willing to bet Judge Lena Hidalgo funded by Soros, right? I'm willing to bet uh, Sheriff uh, Sheriff uh, Jose Salazar, uh, Bear County, funded by Soros, right? I'm willing to bet, you know, that kind of thing is going on. Uh, but uh, we had this article I wanted to break in today's episode with uh, George Soros attempts to rescue district attorneys in the Texas 2022 midterm. Ladies and gentlemen, it surprises nobody, right? Uh, this is from Fox News, actually. That's right. We pulled from the globalist operation known as Fox News itself to bring this story to you guys. Let's take a gander. George Soros spends big in last-minute attempt to rescue far-left district attorneys. You know, guys, uh, there is um, a wave nigh on a tsunami about to crash into the shorelines of uh, America tomorrow. I mean, oh, pop, pop, sorry, guys, uh, tomorrow. So I don't know how many of you all out there, you know, went ahead and uh, waited, saved your vote, right? You saved your Midterm 2022 purity for tomorrow, right? Where you're going to break in that vote, right? Okay. Anyways, yeah. Red wave. I mean, there there is a really good chance, ladies and gentlemen, that these district attorneys tomorrow will be voted out, guys. Now, it's easy enough. The blue ones are usually Soros-funded. So, uh... If you don't know who to vote for, say there's like a whole bunch of names and they're not going to be. We'll actually take a look at the list. Maybe we'll close up today's uh, episode with a list of some stuff for, you know, some friendly reminders for tomorrow. Right. But uh, ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, yeah, I think there's a big chance a lot of these individuals will be voted out tomorrow. I mean, we still have the machines, right? We, re we recognize we still have the machines. But that's why we saved our vote for tomorrow, ladies and gentlemen, because we have the machines. So uh, let's go ahead and take a look at this. Liberal billionaire pushed $1.15 million behind Bear County District Attorney Joe Gonzalez 
and Dallas County District Attorney John Crusot. Liberal billionaire George Soros dropped massive last-minute cash into Texas to help save two far-left district attorney candidates he previously helped propel into office, according to campaign finance records reviewed by Fox News Digital. Soros pushed $1 million directly from his name and added $150,000 for his federal democracy PAC to into Texas Justice and Public Safety PAC in mid-October, filing submitted this week to the Texas Ethics Commission's show. Soros is the sole funder of the Texas-based PAC, which is led by Whitney Timmis, his longtime operator of such committees that popped up in various states supporting progressive prosecutor candidates. So now we uh, take a pen and we write down the name Whitney Timmis. We won't dig on her today, but uh, that's for me for notes later on, guys. Now, okay, so we have this Soros pack. I mean, this is a Soros pack. It's 100% funded by George Soros in the state of Texas. It is the Democracy Political Action uh, Committee 2 or PAC. Um, so, ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, solely funded. Oh, wait, wait, wait. No, Texas Justice and Public Safety PAC. Okay. So, Soros pushed $1 million directly from his name and added $150,000 from his federal democracy PAC into the Texas Justice and Public Safety PAC. Um, and that is that okay so it's the texas justice and public safety pack that is the solely soros funded texas pack ladies and gentlemen texas justice and public safety okay that is the name of it bear county district attorney joe gonzalez dallas county district attorney john crusot all right bear county yeah, I know where you guys will be voting tomorrow, right? We ain't going to be voting for Joe Gonzalez, okay? Now, you know, I really have to think about this, uh, especially in the context of last night's um, documentary. Because believe it or not, if you guys caught it, there are definite ramifications. Do you think about where the funding goes? You know, where does the money from the pack go, Right. Does it go directly into just ad campaigns? Does it go into uh, funding appearances by uh, uh, celebrities to uh, get... I don't think a celebrity would appear for Crusot or for Gonzalez, but, I mean, stranger things have happened. So uh, where does that money go? I mean, there really are implications here, guys. There really are implications. You talk about trying to bust down the um, establishment and uh, really drain the swamp and really get to the roots of our problems, you know? Kind of like I got to get to the root of what's going on right here, guys. You probably noticed, right? My, uh, I, got a, I got a bad tooth, guys. So it's a little swollen this afternoon. I apologize if it's distracting. Okay, but anyways, it's distracting me. Anyways, uh, but um, as I was saying, the root of the problems, well, you follow the money, right? So follow where all this PAC money is going. We know it, we know it came from George Soros, right? So there's there is the uh there's maybe the root of the tentacle, but where does that tentacle go to? 
right? So that's it's all there's a lot of implications. As soon as I wrap my head around it, guys, we'll talk more. But yeah, I'll probably have to watch that a documentary a couple of more times. There are implications, right? I mean, I, I can see the cracks in the wall. I can see the light coming through the cracks, but I, I'm not seeing all of the light just yet. So we'll, we'll, we will get there, guys. Uh, you know, this is the way we do it. This is the process here, right? The money is, oh, uh, back to the article. The money has since gone toward purchasing. Oh, it tells us. The money has since gone toward purchasing hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of television and digital advertisements, advertisements, direct mail and polling services supporting Bear County District Attorney Joe Gonzalez and Dallas County District Attorney John Crusot in the days following the cash infusion the records show. Now, uh, I'll be 100% honest with you guys. I need to go check my mail because I have not seen a John, I mean, sorry, I have not seen a Joe Gonzalez. I've not seen a Joe Gonzalez mailer come in, uh, but I did get uh, contacted by uh, the individual that's running against Gonzalez. And uh, I apologize. I don't have his name right here. Uh, it should, I don't, I thought, I didn't think I erased the message. Cause like, Oh, that's kind of cool. I was like, yeah, I'll vote for him. Uh, he is, he's a conservative. He's a Republican that's running against Gonzalez guys. Uh, I'll get you his name in a little bit. Um, but, uh, anyhow, anyhow, let's, let's get back to the article here. I got a lot of information for you all today. So, uh, let's see here. Um, yeah, now, I have not gotten a mailer for Joe Gonzalez, but anyhow, Soros' latest donations follow the nearly $1 million in backing he gave to Gonzalez and more than $200,000 to Crusot four years ago. Like other Soros candidates, the duo favors lax enforcement of lower-level crimes to reduce incarceration rates. Gonzalez is facing Republican Mark LaHood. Oh, there we go. Mark LaHood, guys. That's the name. Yeah, that's who I am voting for. I don't want a Soros individual hanging out in my neck of the woods. Anyways, hey, Annie Paulson, how's it going? Uh, just a bad tooth. Thanks for asking. Um, it's just infected, I think, in the gum. But uh, good evening, and thanks for joining us over there at Twitch this afternoon. And welcome on in. Why don't you play with some of the uh, Mr. CTV emojis over there? So this way, uh, see, let me know what you think about them. We should have some free ones for you over there. Yeah, maybe there's one where you see my tooth, right? You're going to make the uh, face. You can make that one. You pull up that emoji. Anyways, uh, and thank you for the recommendations as well in uh, the, I'll, I'll take notes of that, uh, Annie Paulson 45. Thank you again. I appreciate you. Thanks for hanging out. Okay, so uh, getting back to uh, Mark LaHood, ladies and gentlemen. That is the name of the man who is um, running against a corrupt progressive district attorney, um, Joe Gonzalez, George Soros funded. Okay. Mark LaHood. And that's the name of the man. Keep that in mind. Now, Gonzalez is facing Republican Mark LaHood, who received more than $300,000 in October from the Defend Texas Liberty Pact while Crusot is facing Republican Faith Johnson. I used to know someone named Faith Johnson. Anyways, Soros committee put the bulk of its recent cash toward Gonzalez, considered the more vulnerable candidate of the two. Yeah, Joe Gonzalez, you hear that, guys? Joe Gonzalez, the more vulnerable candidate of the two. What does that tell you about Bear County, guys? 
what I know we have a ding dong sheriff right now. Okay. I know Bear County has a ding dong, you know, uh, um, uh, unconstitutional sheriff. You know, by my mark, by what I was seeing yesterday when I was going down my state representative's rabbit hole, all of our all of our state reps are Democrats in Bear County. I mean, I got a li- I mean, I haven't gone through the entire list and I haven't even gone through the senators for Bear County, but they're all Democrats. They all need to be replaced. I'm talking about state level guys. So we know we got traitors representing Bear County. They're not rhinos because they're Democrats, right? They push all these progressive, hard left uh, policies, you know, or they try to, guys. We'll talk about Dade Phelan in a little bit because Dade Phelan, Dade Phelan as Speaker of the House has been awarding these Democrats, these hard left or progressive Democrats chairmanships, okay, in the Texas House of Representatives, in the Texas House, right? So this rhino Dade Phelan, has been has been awarding these progressives with chairmanship. So they make decisions on the bills that move forward, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, all that stuff. You know, that's what we're talking about with taking back our backyard, right? We're going to get into all of this stuff, guys, uh, here at Lone Star State News. You know, so I say if you're a Texas citizen, a Texas, uh, you know, uh, friend, family, Texas kin is what I like to say. Hit that subscribe button, okay? Hit that follow button, and uh, we'll be, we'll be, you know, I know things are going to change after tomorrow. You know, I mean, we have a lot of state reps who are probably going to stay in their seat. A lot of them are rhinos. We have a lot of new blood that's coming in that's going to clean up, and we've got to support them, and we're going to do spotlights and focuses, and we're going to, you know, if I can get some of these guys on the show, uh, to talk with them and po- uh, pick their brains about uh, topics like election integrity, uh, you know, um, and and other. Uh, I mean, election integrity is my big thing here, guys. You guys know that. So this is good to hear. If uh, George Soros is funding, you know, um, Joe Gonzalez to the tune of, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars more than his uh, counterpart in Dallas County. That tells me Bear County is really a lot more red than we give it credit for. I mean, well, I'm back, ladies and gentlemen. So, yeah, you better believe when Mr. C moved back to Bear County. Oh, 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 oh. It went from uh, it went from deep blue to like uh, just about purple red. You know why? Because we're fighting the machines in Bear County. We're fighting the machines in Texas and we're fighting the machines in these United States of America. And it's those damn machines that keep this illusion of blue cast across this entire nation, ladies and gentlemen. So I can't help it. Mr. C moving back to Bear County didn't turn us red, but we got dang near close to it. (laughs) We were already purple. Okay. We were already purple. Anyways, guys, so uh, let's finish up with this article. I got, you know, we're talking George Soros right now in Texas. Okay, we're talking George Soros in Texas. We're talking George Soros trying to bail out, no pun intended, right? He's trying to bail out uh, some of his uh, progressive district attorneys. Okay, so Soros views district attorneys who decide which crimes to charge and which to let slide as a significant component of overhauling the criminal justice system. He has financially backed dozens of far-left prosecutor candidates in recent years, including 
Larry Krasner in Philadelphia, Kim Fox in Chicago, Kim Gardner in St. Louis, and George Gascon. Everyone loves George Gascon over there in Los Angeles. Okay, George Gascon has a running joke here at Mr. CTV. For those of you who are watching this uh, broadcast right now are wondering why I'm getting excited over George Gascon anyways. I'll make a meme eventually. <laughs> anyways, in addition to prosecutor candidates, Soros has bankrolled numerous initiatives intending to overhaul the criminal justice system. In 2020, his Open Society Foundation Network pledged $70 million to local efforts for such reforms. The money was part of a more significant $220 million push for racial equality. Soros also funneled cash into an effort that calls for abolishing the police in 2019 and in 2020. His foundation to promote Open Society, a nonprofit in his sprawling network, earmarked $4.5 million to the Community Resource Hub for Safety and Responsibility, Fox News Digital previously reported. Soros Cash helped create the group which has reviewed alternatives to policy policing in the context of Policy, police abolitionist frameworks, the group's memo to organizers said. I apologize, guys. I struggled through that sentence. Soros Cash helped create the group, which has reviewed alternatives to policing the context of police abolish, ab abolitionist frameworks. Yeah, that was kind of a mouthful, okay? Especially with my swollen gum here. The group's memo to organizers said. Soros Open Society Policy Center, his advocacy nonprofit, also pushed a $500,000 donation into the failed 2021 effort to dismantle and replace the Minneapolis Police Department. That effort was spearheaded by far-left activist and supported by Democrat Minnesota Representative Ilhan Omar did something? Like marry her brother? Michael Vacan, or Michael Vachan, Soros's spokesperson, did not respond to a Fox News digital inquiry on his Texas district attorney cash. I don't think that someone like George Soros or Michael Vachan would respond to Fox News. Thank you, Fox News, globalist, uh, globalist syndicate operator, for uh, providing us with the context uh, around some of George Soros's funding and operations. I mean, it's something that uh, many of us are very familiar with, uh, at least in this day and age, of course, guys, very familiar with. Um, let uh, so let let's rehash some things uh, as we uh, you know dive into tomorrow's midterms. Let's not forget George Soros has also funded Robert O'Rourke's campaign to the tune of one million dollars, ladies and gentlemen. That's right. This this is a heinous photograph of George Soros and of uh, <laughs> Beto. Let, let me go ahead and maximize that potential for you guys. Look at that. It's it's daddy and son here, guys. And I don't mean platonically, okay? I don't mean platonically. What is Beto O'Rourke on in this freaking photograph, guys? Do you think, right? What do you think the uh <laughs> what do you think the psychedelic warrior is on in this one, guys? Right? That was his name, psychedelic guardian or psychedelic warrior or psychedelic Mandela, or I don't know what the heck he was. Anyways, he looks like he's on some psychotropics in this picture, or maybe just some amphetamines. And then you got Daddy George Soros here, right? 
guys, you guys know I love to poke fun anyways. Okay, so <clears throat> let's see. I love, I, you know, I have a knack for finding some of the most flattering pictures of these individuals anyways. <laughs> I mean, if you guys noticed, there's a little bit of drool on George Soros's lower lip right here, guys. I told you. <laughs> Aside from, what are we going to call him? Eyebags McGee? Like, look at him. Look at <laughs> Actually, guys, it was not as fun as this photograph that I found of George Soros. And uh, we got to give props where props are due. Who did this one? Uh, hold on. Let me let me find it for you guys. Okay. You <laughs> Thank you, 100% fed up. <laughs> Look at that one, okay? George Soros is Emperor Palpatine, guys. We Eyebags McGee. I'm telling you, Eyebags McGee, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, let's get back to Soros and Beto, okay? <laughs> Gotta love it, ladies and gentlemen. Got to love it. Okay, so uh, yeah, I'm like, hey, George, you got a little drool on your chin there. Okay, anyways, all right. This one's from Breitbart. Let's take a gander. Uh, they published this one back in July. We're just rehashing for tomorrow, guys. I mean, we all know that Beto O'Rourke stands absolutely no chance in hell um, getting the governorship. I mean, I know we have the machines, guys. I know we have the machines, but we also have a red wave tomorrow. Uh, so in addition to that, uh, we also know that uh, he's probably going to get his uh, ass served at least a dozen times for trying to uh, register dead Texans to vote with uh, pre-filled out registration mailers. Yeah, you see how that scheme works? Anyhow, he got busted. He's going to get his ass sued. Le uh, far left billionaire George Soros dumps $1 million into Democrat Robert Francis O'Rourke's gubernatorial campaign, right? So uh, let's see here. Far left billionaire George Soros contributed $1 million to failed Democrat uh, presidential candidate Beto O'Rourke's gubernatorial campaign in Texas. Do I need to pull the George Soros Dr. Evil meme? <laughs> George Soros gave uh, Beto O'Rourke one million dollars, ladies and gentlemen. Like <laughs> the Texas Ethics Commission's website shows that Soros' contribution to the Beto for Texas PAC, and that's committee. I said a, I said a, what is a campaign? A campaign? I said a something else. I said political action committee, campaign, convention. You call it what you will. Uh, it's probably a committee. Uh, came on June twenty third. Okay, so Soros is a major donor to Democrat campaigns, having contributed millions of dollars to top pro-Clinton Democrat super PAC uh, Dillery, Dillery, Hillary Clinton's failed 2016 presidential campaign. He also contributed to PACs uh, that supported radical leftist district attorneys during their campaigns in recent years, including Alvin Bragg in New York County, New York, George Gascon in Los Angeles County, California and Kim Fox in Cook County, Illinois. Uh, last night's, um, uh, last night's uh, documentary, Enjoy the Show, reminded us all about Kim Fox. Remember, guys? And Juicy Smoulier? Yeah. Now you guys remember who Kim Fox is, right? Between late February and the end of June, O'Rourke raised a record of $27.6 million dollars 
While his general election opponent, Governor Greg Abbott, was not far behind, taking in $24.9 million. Uh, since November 15th, uh, O'Rourke has raised $40.9 million to Abbott's $37 million, but only 60% of O'Rourke's money comes from contributors in Texas. So hear that, guys. As of summer 2022, O'Rourke's campaign received 40% of its contributions from donors from outside of Texas. What the heck do they have? Business donating to people in Texas if they're not from this state? I would like to know. We all know the answer to that question, guys. It was highly rhetorical, okay? All right. So, uh, well, there you go. There's Daddy Soros, ladies and gentlemen. There's Daddy Soros. And uh, Breitbart gives us a little context on this man as well. Okay. Hungarian-born United States investor and philanthropist. Uh, I would put quotations around that. George Soros looks on after having delivered a speech on the sidelines of the World Economic Forum January 23rd, 2020 in Davos. Soros-backed O'Rourke launched a presidential bid in 2020 and failed to secure a single delegate following a 2018 bid for the United States Senate in Texas, where he lost to Senator Ted Cruz. Now he looks to unseat Abbott, who is vying for his third term as governor. Recent polling out of the Lone Star State consistently shows the sitting governor leading the race. A University of Texas poll from earlier this month had Abbott ahead of O'Rourke by six percentage points at 45% and 39%. So that's, a, you know, I don't trust polls anyways. So anyhow, so, well, there you go. Just, a, you know, just a quick, hey, how do you do? And for maybe uh, those of you out there who are new to such broadcasts as Lone Star State News, good evening, good afternoon. Uh, and uh, you're new to such information as George Soros, you know, uh, you, you might be like, why are you so familiar with George Soros that you call him Daddy Soros, right? Because <laughs> George Soros is the sugar daddy of a lot of left-leaning Democrats and progressives, and we just got to recognize him for what he is here at Lone Star State News. He's a sugar daddy. Now, let me tell you what, uh, George Soros might be the sugar daddy of many people, but he is not the sugar daddy of one representative, Myra Flores. Uh, we talked about Myra Flores uh, on the Lone Star State News, I think, uh, last week. Um, but uh, yeah, just as another friendly reminder, guys, as we're heading into midterms for tomorrow, where do you think that Latino vote is going, especially for you Latinos out there in Texas who saved your vote for tomorrow? You got God goes, you God, you know, I love you guys. You know, I love you guys. So uh, Myra, Myra Flores, uh, who is a staunch conservative, a Latina in the state of Texas, representing southern districts here in the good Lone Star State, uh, has called out George Soros in the past for destroying Latino values. Uh, we shared this story with you guys when it broke. Uh, and uh, that is uh, when George Soros uh, uh, um, bought out 18 Hispanic radio stations. Now, why do you think someone like George Soros would want to do that? And why do you think it'd be so important for a character like Daddy Soros to uh, fund Latino operations in the United States of America. 
Well, Representative Myra Flores was not having any of it. Now we have uh, this article here coming from the Latino Post. Representative Myra Flores of Texas has called on the Hispanic community to fight for Abuela's values after liberal billionaire George Soros attempts to take over the Hispanic radio stations across America. Fox News reported that Soros Latino Media Network has agreed to procure 18 Hispanic radio stations currently owned by Univision, a globalist corporation. Soros also reportedly intends to put former Bill Clinton and Barack Obama staffers in charge of the operation. The procurement deal is still awaiting FEC approval. Once approved, it would put the liberal group in control of stations across the United States, including Radio Mambi. Radio Mambi is Miami's most well-known radio station, which introduces an anti-communism view among Hispanic conservatives. Flores was in a podcast with Lisa Booth, wherein the host asked the Republican representative why Soros is trying to bankroll Hispanic radio stations. The lawmaker told Booth that Soros is trying to erase our values. She added that Soros wanted the Hispanic community forget, to forget about God and family values. She then went on to say that it is what the far left plans of doing. Radio Mambi has seen at least three exits of prominent air on-air stations at the station. Uh, they declared that they would never work for a Soros-linked group. So uh, I believe this sentence should say, Radio Mambi has seen at least three exits of prominent on-air hosts, radio hosts at the station. Uh, these hosts declared that they would never work for a Soros-linked group. Okay, so the Latino Post goes on to educate its readers about George Soros as well. George Soros is a global philanthropist and a known Democrat Party donor. He's trying to buy Radio Mambi, which Fox News labeled as a Soros takeover. Some of Mambi's hosts have mentioned Soros as the reason behind their decision to resign, including, uh, according to the Miami Herald, excuse me. Soros procurement of Hispanic radio stations is closely looked as the company involved in acquiring Radio Mambi is connected to a company which is the principal asset manager of the organization that distributed billions of funding to political and social causes around the world. Soros and the company maintain that the assumption that he will exist editorial control over Mambi is false. Soros personal spokesman said that the billionaire was not personally involved in the transaction. A group of Hispanic investors bought more than 18 radio stations across 10 cities in a $60 million deal bankrolled by an investment firm connected to Soros. The Washington Times reported that the group was founded by former Obama administration staffer Stephanie Valencia and campaign veteran Jess Morales Roqueto. Both have worked for Obama and the 2016 Democrat presidential nominee Hillary Clinton. Roqueto said that they believe in the power and reach of radio, adding that it remains a source of media for a significant number of their community. The procured Hispanic radio station now form the new Latina media network. Lourdes Ubieta, a popular host of Radio Mambi, has resigned. She discussed her departure, citing that she does not want to be part of the new company ruling of the station. Another Miami Herald report noted that Ubieta 
has given a confidentiality agreement that she needed to sign to stay as a host during the transition to new ownership. Ubieta said that the purchase of Mambi's aims to silence conservative voices, adding that it is a political move. Can you imagine that, guys? You have conservative Latino voices actively speaking out against this type of activity. That's good to know, guys. That's a good to know. And uh, I would say definitely a good feel that someone like Maida Flores is making that point, ladies and gentlemen, about individuals like George Soros. These things are not unknown, guys. These, uh, these dark corners have seen the light of day, and they will see more light as we elect representatives, in no matter what position they're in, into office. And that's why saving your vote for election day is so important in this climate of election fraud and vulnerable election machinery, ladies and gentlemen. All right, let's move on to our next story for today. That's going to take us right over to the helm of Attorney General Ken Paxton. Uh, we got two stories uh, I wanted to get out with uh, Ken Paxton today. We'll start with this one. Uh, Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton is suing a crowdfunding scheming operation. Uh, now, uh, this is actually a pretty interesting story. I think if you take note, if you guys have heard of crowdfunding operations like uh, CrowdStrike, for example, uh, and we've seen and heard about how uh, these uh, types of uh, uh, firms or businesses will uh, solicit or will find uh, paid actors, uh, uh, what I would refer to as astroturf, you know, to uh, stand and uh, perform, stand and deliver, basically is what these uh, crowdfunding type of operations do. Uh, let's see what uh, Attorney General Ken Paxton is um, uh, doing in regards to uh, some schemes that they found with these uh, crowdfunding operations, guys. Uh, let's, let's take a look. This is from the Texas Tribune, ladies and gentlemen. It says uh, A.G. Paxton's office files, I mean, sorry, Texas Insider. I apologize. This is from the Texas Insider. It says A.G. Paxton's office files lawsuit against operator of crowdfunding scheme. That sounds pretty interesting to me. I think this is something we should take note of. Quote here, I'm pleased that the Consumer Protection Division of my office took action to shut down an unscrupulous individual whose crowdfunding projects produce nothing but self-enrichment. Attorney General Ken Paxton today announced that the Consumer Protection Division of his office filed a lawsuit seeking a permanent injunction preventing Douglas W. Monahan and his company, iBackpack of Texas LLC, from participating in deceptive crowdfunding schemes in violation of the state's Deceptive Trade Practices Act. Starting in 2015, Monahan and his company raised more than $800,000 from consumers through four crowdfunding campaigns on Indiegogo and Kickstarter. Monahan falsely led backers to believe their money would be used to develop several products, including a state-of-the-art backpack called the iBackpack. But Monahan failed to deliver on any of his promises and instead used much of the funds for himself. 
While Kickstarter and other crowdfunding sites create exciting opportunities for entrepreneurship, they also provide new ways for scam artists to take advantage of consumers' trust, Attorney General Ken Paxton said. Okay, so ladies and gentlemen, I misunderstood the crowdfunding scheme. Okay, I'm thinking of uh, people who uh, actually like CrowdStrike. Uh, anyhow, so that's a different type of crowdfunding. Now, this is like what, uh, you know, like was it Indiegogo, Kickstarter, and what are the other ones that are really popular? Like GoFundMe, right? And stuff like that. Yeah. Okay. So that's what this is about. I apologize on that uh, brief confusion, guys. Coffee, coffee is not kicked in yet, right? Anyhow. Okay. So uh, Attorney General Ken Paxton. So he says, I'm pleased that the consumer protection division of my office took action to shut down an unscrupulous individual whose crowdfunding projects produce nothing but self-enrichment. Monaghan used his company's campaign web pages to display a laundry list of tech capabilities for the iBackpack, along with graphics of a supposed prototype. The campaign pages also featured the logos of several telecommunication companies, two federal agencies, and Apple and Android mobile operating systems, through, though there is no evidence that Monahan or his company had any legitimate ties to the entities. The Attorney General's lawsuit, which was filed in state district court in Travis County, seeks restitution for aggrieved customers, civil penalties, and attorney's fees. The Federal Trade Commission today also filed suit against Monahan and iBackpack of Texas LLC. Crowdfunding typically involves individuals and businesses raising money for a project or venture from numerous individuals, usually via the internet. In many cases, consumers are enticed to make payments in exchange for the promise that they will receive the product of its once, oh, once it is manufactured. Uh, Texans who believe that they are victims of a scam can file an online complaint with the Attorney General's office. And, uh, well, they have that address there. Uh, you go to the uh, www.texasattorneygeneral.gov and I'm sure if you go on to consumer protection, you can file your complaint, ladies and gentlemen. So, okay. So interesting that, right? Uh, you know, we see uh, A.G. Paxton continuing to take care of business, ladies and gentlemen, against online fraud and crowdfunding. Uh, let's move on to this uh, next article from Attorney General Ken Paxton. Now, this one, oh, where are we at here? There we go. This one has a pretty good relevance, guys, especially when you're heading out to the polls. Uh, this article also coming from the Texas Insider. So I'll go ahead and uh, maneuver that title there for you guys. Uh, it says here, uh, Paxton moves to protect federal workers from forced vaccinations and prevent millions from losing their jobs. Okay. So uh, we're talking of course here about the uh, mandated um, uh, CV-19 inoculations, ladies and gentlemen, I'm sure we're all familiar, right? Uh, so let's see what uh, Ken Paxton is doing in this regard. Now, he filed an amicus brief, or he joined an amicus brief, I should say. It says, the amicus brief filed following a recent related decision by the Atlanta-based U.S. Court of Appeals for the 11th Circuit, which declared that the Biden administration's unconstitutional mandate exceeded its legal authority. 
Yeah, I think we would all agree with that, right? Attorney General Ken Paxton has joined a Florida-led amicus brief in the San Francisco-based U.S. Court of Appeals for the Ninth Circuit in support of Arizona's efforts to strike down the federal contractor vaccine mandate. The brief highlights the many ways President Biden and his Office of Management and Budget far exceeded their legal authority to try and enact the COVID-19 vaccine or slash inoculation mandate, which they presented as a public health measure. A district court previously recognized the Biden administration's unlawful actions and enjoined the policy preventing it from taking effect. The administration has since appealed that decision. The brief filed by Texas and other states note that the Biden administration claims this mandate will protect the U.S. labor market, it would likely do the opposite by exacerbating the current national labor shortage. The brief states roughly two-thirds of the unvaccinated say they would quit their job in response to a vaccine mandate instead of addressing the alleged threat of temporary labor shortages caused by periodic sick leave. The mandate threatens contractors with mass terminations and resignations. The president did not possess credible evidence at the time he issued the executive order that increased vaccination among employees would meaningfully reduce COVID transmission, and that has only become more clear with respect to newer variants. The amicus brief was filed following a recent related decision by the Atlanta-based U.S. Court of Appeals for the 11th Circuit, which declared that the Biden administration's unconstitutional mandate exceeded its legal authority. Attorney General Ken Paxton, a leader in the fight against the left's illegal mandates, filed two amicus briefs over the summer in opposition to the federal contractor mandate. And it has the complete amicus brief available for perusing. <coughs> Excuse me. At 37 pages, obviously, we're not going to read this. But I think some of you guys will take note of the individual whose name is on that amicus brief. He is the legendary um, hibernating attorney general of Arizona, Mark Burnovich. He's still a rhino, guys. Okay. Okay, guys. We'll do this one for Mark Burnovich. All right. We'll do this one for Mark Burnovich. Coming at you in uh, burnt orange. Uh, hook him. Yeah, that's right, ladies and gentlemen. I don't give a squat if your name is on an amicus brief against the illegitimate administration. If you're a rhino, you're a rhino. But thank you, Mark uh, Bernovich, for uh, getting this filed. Anyway, so this is the amicus brief. I'm actually going to save this for my personal files. And then uh, what we'll do is I'll probably post it over at the Sea Report Telegram channel. For anyone that would like a copy for themselves, well, you can head over there. If you don't know how to get to the C-Report Telegram channel, uh, probably the best advice I could give you is just to head over to the C-Report.com, ladies and gentlemen, and, uh, well, head on down to the bottom of the page, and you will be able to find that uh, Telegram link 
for the C-Report.com, ladies and gentlemen. Now, all right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, welcome back to Lone Star State News. Just threw out a uh, network uh, monitor there for you guys. We're at uh, 2 p.m., 2.07 p.m. Central Time. We're talking Texas news. Welcome on in for you guys who are just coming on into the show. Hope you guys uh, are enjoying your Monday afternoon. Uh, on this November 7th, the day before midterm elections. I am your host, Mr. C, also known as Michael Aaron Gossidis. Uh, We've been talking A.G. Paxton, ladies and gentlemen, and some of uh, the work that he's been doing. So uh, we just covered um, A.G. Paxton's joining of this amicus brief, ladies and gentlemen. So, uh, you know, just some stuff to think about, you know, I'm kind of like, hey, we're rooting for Paxton here. I don't think he'll have a problem getting reelected against a uh, an opponent like Rochelle Garza, ladies and gentlemen, whom you all might remember, just so happens to be a uh, defense lawyer for human traffickers, right? There's no way that uh, Paxton's going to lose tomorrow. But, you know, I just thought I'd regale you with some more narratives. Let's go ahead and uh, let's get into our next story for this hour. That's right. We're going to do a two-hour special today. I could feel it in my bones, guys. So we'll be here till about 3 p.m. Uh, let's talk Tony Tinderholt, ladies and gentlemen. We're getting to know our um, state representatives uh, who fight the fine fight, ladies and gentlemen. I would have to say uh, Mr. Tinderholt is probably one of those individuals. And uh, he's one of those individuals I would definitely not be playing the rhino hunting season uh, anthem for. Now, uh, Representative Tony Tinderholt is challenging current Speaker of the House, Dade Phelan, an individual I would absolutely play the rhino hunting season anthem for, ladies and gentlemen. Absolutely. Dade Phelan deserves it. So, uh, you know, whenever I found out that uh, this, well, this article came across my desk from the Texas Scorecard talking about Tony Tinderholt and his challenge to Speaker Dade Phelan, that kind of got my, uh, you know, attention because Dade Phelan needs to go, you know, and as we uh, get into the cleaning of this backyard of ours, as we dip into trying to figure out how it is that we're going to uh, clean this state house. The thought comes to mind about the Texas House Speaker because we've seen Dade Phelan time and time again show his rhinocery, right? I'm willing to bet Dade Phelan is actually a Democrat. I'm willing to bet far worse. Dade Phelan's really a far-left progressive, guys. Either that or he is a true... Ladies and gentlemen, Texas Rhino, a true good old boy who does everything in his own self-interest, own personal interest for personal gain and personal power. Okay. Now, Dave Phelan could very well be that kind of guy, which would make him a true Rhino. But when we're talking about how do we get this guy out, right? How do we get this guy away from the gavel, as it were? Well, ladies and gentlemen, you got to do your homework. Okay. So, you know, because I was curious 
I went ahead and pulled some information about the Speaker of the House in the state of Texas. So uh, for all you Texas folks who missed that civics course like I did, uh, let's see what is up with that. Now, this is from the Texas State House of Representatives website. That's house.texas.gov. And uh, here's a little bit of information about the House Speaker. For those of you who may not have known or who've always been curious but just never had enough curiosity to look it up on your own, powers and duties of the Speaker of the House. The Speaker is the presiding officer of the House of Representatives. The Texas Constitution requires the House of Representatives each time a new legislature convenes to choose one of its own members to serve as Speaker. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. It appears that the Texas House Speaker is a position that is um, appointed by the Texas House. Now, uh, correct me if I'm wrong on that, ladies and gentlemen. I guess I should have pulled the Constitution for that instead. But let's go ahead and let's let's take a look at some of the duties. As presiding officer, the Speaker maintains order during floor debate recognizing legislators who wish to speak and ruling on procedural matters. The Constitution also requires the Speaker to sign all bills and joint resolutions passed by the legislature. As a member of the House of Representatives, the Speaker may vote on all questions before the House. The other duties and responsibilities of the Speaker are determined by the members of the House in the House Rules of Procedure which are adopted by a majority vote of the members at the beginning of each regular session of the legislature. The members give the speaker the authority to appoint the membership of each standing committee, subject to rules on seniority, and to designate the chair and vice chair for each committee. Under the rules, the speaker is responsible for referring all proposed legislation to committee subject to the committee jurisdictions set forth in the rules. The rules also allow the speaker to appoint conference committees, to create select committees, and to direct committees to conduct interim studies when the legislature is not in session. Okay. Good information there, guys. So here is our complaint with Dade Phelan. Oh, no, no, no. We've got far too many complaints, ladies and gentlemen. But um, with Speaker Phelan, uh, we know that he has, uh, and we're going to highlight a little bit of this, but you, you know, we know he has taken money from um, uh, pharmaceutical corporations that uh, create uh, castration drugs for gender-affirming uh, um, uh, crazies, right? Uh, we, and we know that he has uh, pushed those bills aside. We know that... Uh, and now, here's the big thing. Speaker of the House appoints vice chairs and chairs to the committees. He designates what members of his House of Representatives, be they Democrat be they Republican, will be the chairperson or the vice chairperson of committees. Committees are important, guys. That's where they go and draft up bills. They go and, you know, amend or whatever bills. And then, you know, if it see if it makes it to the calendar, which is an entirely different section, guys, that we will also have to consider as we get into the dynamics of our Texas State House, right? But we're looking at the speaker right now, okay? 
Now, uh, I, I, if I had enough foresight, I would have pulled the House Rules of Procedure on the Texas um, Speaker so we can look into uh, how to remove them. But you know what? Uh, that's why we're going to talk up Tony Tinderholt this afternoon, guys, because uh, Tony Tinderholt, as opposed to Speaker Phelan on many, many points, including the designating of chair and vice chairs, committee spots, positions to uh, Democrats who run away and who uh, decide that they don't want to, uh, you know, vote on election integrity measures or you know, whatever have you, right? Whatever have you. If you want to be a rogue, runaway elected representative, I don't care what party you're uh, a member of, but if you're going to run away and you're going to abscond from your duties and you're going to waste taxpayer money, I don't think that you should be awarded a chair position or a vice chair position. That's the position I take. That's the position that Tony Tindertolt takes. That is not the position that Dave Phelan takes, ladies and gentlemen. So you see why it's important. Let's talk about Tony Tinderholt. Uh, let's talk about this challenge to Speaker Phelan for the House of Representatives. Coming to you guys from the Texas scorecard, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Tony Tinderholt to challenge Dave Phelan for Speaker of the House. Most Republicans will tell you that they fully expect many important Republican policies to die at the hands of liberal committee chairs appointed by Speaker Phelan. You remember how we're talking about how they bamboozled the people of Texas? You remember how I was talking about how they totally swindle us? And uh, every single position, every single bill, every single chair, everything is pre-planned, ladies and gentlemen. It doesn't matter what side of the aisle you sit on in this rhino-controlled state house in Texas. And that's why we're highlighting individuals like Representative Tinderholt, who is challenging rhinos and the good old boy system in the state of Texas. So uh, let's take a gander. The race for who will lead the Texas House of Representatives has officially kicked off with State Representative Tony Tinderholt of Arlington filing to challenge incumbent Speaker Dade Phelan. Tinderholt says his concerns with Phelan stem from a lack of movement on the Republican Party's legislative priorities. Will the priority legislation of the Republican Party of Texas receive a vote on the Texas House floor. The truth is, we have no idea with our current speaker in control. In fact, most Republicans will tell you that they fully expect many important Republican policies to die at the hands of liberal committee chairs appointed by Speaker Phelan. Now, uh, that is a quote from Tony Tinderholt, representative out of Arlington. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, let's, let's keep in mind some of our Texas GOP priorities for next year, going into 2024, right? Election integrity. And I would put the certification of the 2020 election right up there because the Texas GOP grassroots and the priorities do not recognize Joseph Robinette Biden Jr. as a legitimate president, okay? Declaring a border invasion, okay? 
removing um, gender-affirming drugs and making them illegal in Texas. That includes pharmaceuticals, okay? Mm, uh, criminalizing election fraud in Texas again, okay? More Second Amendment, more Second Amendment measures. I mean, if you take a look at some of these priorities, I think it's easy to see when you consider the behavior of the Texas House and state legislature for our pre previous session. If you consider the behavior last year, considering that we called like what, four special sessions to, to get jobs done that still did not get done, that still managed to die or not even get touched during last year's legislative session plus the special sessions. It's easy to see how some of these priorities like banning gender-affirming care and uh, deeming it child abuse in Texas will die in committee. It's easy to see how decertifying 2020 could die in committee. You know, it's easy to see how election integrity could die in committee when you have someone like Speaker Phelan who is appointing chairs and vice chairs and they're made up of hard left Democrats or progressives in the Texas state house. It's a big issue. So you see why someone like representative Tinderholt would bring that to our attention. Okay. It is the speaker's duty. We're dissecting how our state legislative body operates, ladies and gentlemen. So welcome to the show. Um, back to the Texas scorecard article over 80% of Texas GOP voters Proposition 6, March 2022 primary elections have asked the legislature to pass a rule ending the practice of handing over significant power to Democrats through committee chairmanships, a rule which Phelan has continued to oppose. In conversations with many members of the Texas House, it was revealed that some of them have not had a one-on-one -on -one conversation with our current speaker since the end of the special session last year. It is clear that the Texas Republicans need new leadership who will fight for our values. I am running for Speaker of the House, uh, Texas House to ensure we do the will of our voters and make Texas an even better state. An issue expected to be at the forefront of the campaign is the current practice of awarding chairmanships to Democrat members. Ending the practice of putting Democrats in leadership positions is a priority of the Texas GOP, one that over 80% of Republican voters agreed upon. Phelan, however, has been supportive of the practice, and when a rule change was proposed to ban giving chairmanships to the minority party last year, Tinder Holt was the only one of a handful of Republican members to vote for the measure. Do you guys see why we need to identify our state legislators whom are fighting for America, whom are fighting to restore the Republic? Tinder Holt was among a handful of Republicans. We are a Republican powerhouse in the Texas State House. Guys, we have a monopoly. Republicans have the executive, legislative, and judicial. There's no reason why this uh, practice, this rule, should have been um, voted down. That tells you a lot about the rhinos in Texas. We've got a lot of them, guys. Phelan was elected to the speakership with the support of Republicans and Democrats last January, with only two members 
State Representative Jeff Kaysen of Bedford and Brian Slayton of Royce City who opposed him. Kaysen will not be returning after his district was redrawn to support a Democrat candidate, which he argued was a form of retaliation for opposing the speaker. Tinderholt, a combat veteran, was first elected to the Texas House in 2014. The vote for Speaker of the House will take place when the state legislature convenes on January 10th. Now, the state legislature votes on that, guys, not state voters, not we the people. So what I would do, guys, if you are hearing this broadcast, I would write your state representative, okay, not your not your federal U.S. rep, your state rep, okay, for your district, okay? Bear County's got like districts like 117 through like 130 or something like that, okay? So uh, just as an example, right? I, I think I'm in 126 or something like that. But anyways, um, contact your state rep and you tell them who you want them to vote for. You tell them, I want you to vote Representative Tony Tinderholt into office for Speaker of the House. Tell them you don't like Dade Phelan. Tell them, even, even if your rep is a Democrat, guys, and I, we're all Democrats in Bear County, okay? All our state reps, Democrats, okay? That stupid Fisher, uh, Martin Fisher dude, uh, he ran off to uh, he ran off to Washington D.C. instead of uh, instead of having a uh, having a uh, what do you call it? Uh, uh, instead of voting on election integrity here, guys in in Texas, yeah, that's that's my rep, you know, and uh, I'm gonna let him know too. I don't want Phelan. I know you and Phelan are probably friends, Mr. Fisher, but you know, we I want you to vote for Tony Tinderholt. And I'm willing to bet that there are not many people in his district that are going to send him that type of a communication. But if even three, me, my family, and maybe uh, one or two other uh, voters I know in his district send him a communication like that, that's going to be pretty powerful. Because they probably don't get communications on how to vote for House Speaker too often in Bear County. Okay? So, uh... We got until January 10th to do that, guys. So uh, I'm going to put that on my list of to-do here. Texas Speaker Tinderholt. Vote Tinderholt for Texas Speaker. Tell your state representatives today. Okay? All right. Uh, so, you know, you guys are probably like, well, why are you, why are you blowing up Representative Tinderholt so much today. We did it for Mr. Betancourt, uh, Senator Betancourt, State Betancourt, State Senator uh, Betancourt last week, guys. Uh, we did it for Maida Flores, who is a U.S. tax rep. She's not a state rep. She's a U.S. tax rep. But we did it for her as well. So we're going to do it for Mr. Tinderholt uh, this afternoon. So uh, fortunately, Texas Scorecard has this whole, like, they have a scorecard, basically, on how Representative Tinderholt has done as a Texas representative, okay? So taking a gander, now this is his district here. He's District uh, 94, which is the Arlington-Fort Worth area, okay? Uh, here's a little bit about uh, Representative Tinderholt. It says, uh, Tony Tinderholt entered active duty Air Force as a Spanish cryptologic linguist, taking part in counter-drug missions across Central and South America. He rejoined active duty in January 2002 after the events of September 11th, 2001. 
Major Tenderholt ran operations for the largest recruiting battalion in the United States Army Recruiting Command. He later volunteered to deploy a combat zone and served in Iraq training uh, an Iraqi Special Forces Battalion. In civilian li life, Tony has been a professor of Spanish at Columbia College in Fort Worth and currently serves as director of training and recruiting for Elliott Management Group, LLC. Now, here is some of his ratings, ladies and gentlemen, um, from civic groups. Now, we have uh, Texas for Texans for Fiscal Responsibility. They rated uh, Representative Tenderholt 92. It says Texans for Fiscal Responsibility is an independent educational nonprofit organization seeking to illuminate the actions of government education uh, to uh, illuminate the actions of government, educate and equip citizens to effectively advocate for pro taxpayer reforms and hold lawmakers accountable for their actions. Taxpayers should demand their interests, not those of elected officials, lobbyists or bureaucrats must come first in the Lone Star State. I would say a rating of 92 from an organization as such uh, is, I would say that that is confidence-inducing. Young Conservatives of Texas gave uh, Representative Tinderholt a 98. Young Conservatives of Texas is a nonpartisan youth organization that has been fighting for conservative values for more than 40 years in the Lone Star State and publishes the most respected ratings of the Texas legislature. I'm going to have to uh, get uh, get some take notes on these guys, right? So he got a 98. Now, uh, from Texas Right to Life, uh, Representative Tinderholt received a 100. Texas Right to Life describes itself as an organization that legally, peacefully, and prayerfully protects the God-given right to life of innocent human beings from fertilization to natural death. If uh, Representative Tinderholt is getting a 100 there, I am a definitely bought. Equality Texas gives Representative Tinderholt an F. That kind of makes me wonder what Equality Texas is all about. I mean, you could kind of tell with a uh, with a trigger word, I mean, a uh, keyword like equality. It says, Equality Texas describes itself as a statewide political advocacy organization in Texas that advocates for lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender rights, including same-sex marriage. Well, you know what, ladies and gentlemen, it's like I always say here at Mr. CTV, can we at least restore our republic before we decide a little like uh, peripheral um, uh, matters like who you get to marry? Anyways. So he gets an F there. I could care less, honestly, guys. Uh, Environment Texas gives him a 22. Environment Texas, an advocacy group, advocacy group that exists. You know, if it starts off with an advocacy group, it's probably a lefty or a progressive organization, right? An advocacy group that exists to put the environment first. Not America. Not America. Not Texas. The environment. Okay. All right. Just, just checking. Just checking Environment Texas. As part of the left-leaning public interest network, Environment Texas promotes adoption of policies favoring solar and wind power, electric cars and buses, and more walkable and bikeable cities. Well, you know what? Do you know what makes a good walkable city? A pair of feet. 
ladies and gentlemen, makes a pretty good walkable city. A bikeable one as well. Anyways, you get a 22, Representative Tinderholt from uh, this leftist organization, Environment Texas. Yeah, I could care less about that. So uh, anyways, uh, examining more about Mr. Tinderholt, uh, we have uh, also from Transparency USA, financial summaries. So you can see uh, who he is uh, getting money from and who he's paying or whose top payees are, excuse me. So Defend Texas Liberty PAC, Black, uh, Black Ridge Consulting, LLP, Salty and Stephen Lockwood. Hmm. Uh, let's see here. Who are some of his top payees? Hilton Hotel and Resorts, Digital Core Publishing, Tarrant Campaign Services, Facebook, hmm. uh, Maybach Investments, T-Mobile, T-Mobile, Okay, so some of these people I'd be like, I don't know if I want you uh, involved with Hilton and Facebook and T-Mobile. Uh, but let's see some of some of the articles from Texas Scorecard. Texas lawmakers jab CDC over COVID shots recommendation for kids. So Tinderholt was against that. Communist China and Texas drone wars. Yep. Tinderholt had something to say about that as well. Texas lawmakers signal support for school districts removing sexually explicit books. Tinderholt was behind that measure as well. Let's take a look at this one, guys. Let's take a look at this one. I'm going to put us back in the A.G. Paxton realm, okay? But we're still talking Texas Representative Tony Tinderholt, okay? Now, why does this put us back in the realm of A.G. Paxton? Well, you see, not long ago, the Texas Criminal Court of Appeals ruled that the Texas Attorney General does not have the constitutional authority to prosecute election fraud in the state of Texas. Sounds downright unconstitutional, doesn't it? To me, it does. Now, what the Texas Criminal Court of Appeals, basically the highest or the Supreme Court of criminal you know, proceedings in the state of Texas, it's the highest court you can go to in these matters. Uh, you know, basically they said in their ruling that district attorneys must first prosecute these election fraud crimes. And should they prosecute those crimes, they can then decide if they want to pass it along to the attorney general. But you have to get through round one. Now you see why those George Soros district attorneys are such a problem, right? Because do you think a George Soros district attorney is going to file or prosecute election fraud? I doubt it. I doubt it's on their priority list. Okay. Am I going to say that they're going to be negligent and they're never going to prosecute an election fraud list? I'll say no, because Kim Og, who is a Soros DA in Harris County, is currently going to war with uh, Harris County Judge Lena Hidalgo, who is way far left. And I think I think Kim Og is really just trying to save face on that one, guys, because it looks like Hidalgo is probably going to go down for some like campaign financing violations. But we'll talk about that later on this week, ladies and gentlemen. Let's stay focused on the Texas Criminal Court of Appeals, uh, the Attorney General's ability to prosecute election fraud and Representative Tony Tinderholt, who is currently looking to unseat Rhino Speaker of the House, Dade Phelan. Okay, so this is important. This is a very important topic and episode, guys. I would say 
catching that replay. Make your notes. If you're Texas uh, kinfolk, that means the residents, family, and friend, you know, uh, you're going to want to contact your state representative and tell them to vote for Tony Tinderholt. Okay. Now, uh, let's talk A.G. Paxton, the Texas Criminal Court of Appeals, and Tony Tinderholt. You guys probably remember this case, as I pointed out. But uh, pressure grows for court to rehear case on election fraud enforcement. In an eight-to-one decision, the Court of Criminal Appeals said that a state law granting the Attorney General the power to unilaterally prosecute election cases is unconstitutional. I guess electing, I guess uh, prosecuting uh, election fraud, you need to have a what? You need to have like a separation of powers, right? Do we have to have an act of Congress? Oh yeah, that was definitely a rhetorical and ironic type pun. Uh, after Texas Court of Criminal Appeals took the power to prosecute election fraud out of the state of Attorney General's hands, the Republican Party of Texas has declared ladies and gentlemen, um, the Republican Party of Texas and a growing list of lawmakers are joining calls for them to reverse their decision. In an eight to one decision, the Court of Criminal Appeals, Texas's highest court on criminal matters, said that a state law granting the attorney general the power to unilaterally prosecute election cases is unconstitutional as the attorney general is not given the express authority to do so by the Texas Constitution. Under the Texas Constitution, criminal prosecution is specifically assigned to local district and county attorneys. The attorney general had argued that a provision in the Constitution granting him the authority to perform such other duties as may be required by the law allowed him to exercise prosecutorial, prosecutorial authority granted by statute. Okay? So there's your breakdown right there on why the Texas Criminal Court of Appeals ruled that way, okay? Criminal prosecution is specifically assigned to local district and county attorneys. Ken Paxton thought, well, there is a um, provision that says that the Texas AG has the authority to perform such other duties as may be required by law. I would say if you have a district attorney who is not doing their job, that that would be that would follow under the other duties as required by law. If a DA is not doing their job, maybe that attorney general is going to have to take up that duty because it is required by law. So that's where your Texas Supreme Court and criminal matters, the Texas Criminal Court of Appeals ruled, okay? Where does that put Texas Representative Tony Tinderholt? Uh, as you can probably imagine, we do have a few good guys here. We're trying to recognize them at Lone Star State News. We're striving to recognize them, ladies and gentlemen. We talked about Texas State Senator Paul Battencourt last week. Who would be surprised his name would appear in this amicus brief as well? I mean, sorry, on this amicus brief in this matter. Let me go ahead and I need to expand that to immersive so you guys can get better view on the words here. It says here, here we go. It says here, uh, this week or well, whenever this was, this article was written a few months ago, a couple of months ago. This week, the Republican Party of Texas filed an amicus brief in the case Texas v. Stevens. In one stroke, this court has discarded over a century of Texas jurisprudence and carefully crafted legislation, the party says in the brief. 
A separate amicus brief has also been filed by 14 state senators led by state Senator Paul Betancourt of Houston. The amicus makes three points. First, there is no issue of separation of powers between the attorney general and district attorneys. Second, not allowing the attorney general to prosecute these cases dilutes our legislative authority. Third, the Texas Constitution requires the legislature to write laws that detect and punish voter fraud. Meaning... Perhaps the Texas Supreme Court on Crime, the Texas Court of Criminal Appeals, overstepped their constitutional boundaries by basically legislating the abilities of the attorney general in their ruling. That sounds like a crazy technical dance, guys, but that might be what's going on here. It says here, a similar amicus brief was filed by a host of statewide elected officials, Congressmen, state senators, state representatives, and conservative leaders across the state of Texas, led by Houston area activist Dr. Steve Holtz. So far, the court has not indicated whether it will give the case a hearing. Should the court decide not to reconsider, some lawmakers, including state representative Tony Tinderholt, are calling for a special session to address the issue. Tinderholt says he is in the process of drafting a constitutional amendment to specifically allow attorney general prosecutions for election code offensive. Representative Tinderholt says, I am serious about protecting Texas elections and will continue to lead on this issue, whether it be Democrat quorum breaks or ill-equipped Republican jurists. We must stand strong to protect the vote of every Texan. Again, ladies and gentlemen, I would strongly urge if you are a Texas representative, I mean, sorry, if you are a Texas resident, contact your state representative, be they Democrat or not, and you tell them in January, I want you to vote for, uh, for Representative Tony Tinderholt, that's this man right here, to be the Speaker of the House. At this point, it looks like he's the only challenger to Rhino Dade Phelan, ladies and gentlemen. That's this man right here. Rhino Dade Phelan, current Speaker of the House. You know Dade Phelan is going to get one of these, ladies and gentlemen. Hi, look at me. I'm Rhino Speaker of the House, Dade Phelan, and I think that your children should take castrating chemicals from the pharmaceutical agencies that I take money from. And I also think that uh, election fraud should be decriminalized in the state of Texas, because that's all I fight for as Dade Phelan, Rhino Speaker of the House in the state of Texas. Sorry, guys, I couldn't resist. I could not resist. Dade Phelan, rhino speaker of the house, needs to go. Undoubtedly, unquestionably, undeniably, needs to go. Um, We've kind of tracked and... Well, you know, here's what we do at Mr. CTV. Here's what we do at the C-Report. And you better believe this is what we do at Lone Star State News as well. When it comes to rhinos, we uh, tag them and we 
drag them, ladies and gentlemen. So we have we have given you a laundry list of uh, Dade Phelan's egregious sins against Texans um, through and through, right? But let me tell you what. This one among the worst, okay? This one among the worst, right? You guys remember this. You guys will remember this story. It's terrible. In fact, I probably don't even need to read it to you guys. Now, we had a situation with an election integrity package. Now, this is this would be this would be around the same time that we have the Democrats running away, right? They don't want to pass election integrity, okay? And uh, so finally, we managed to do it in Texas, right? Woohoo! We passed election integrity. Dade Phelan, Speaker of the House, slammed that gavel. Wheels was like, I'm pleased with this legislation. We got our job done. We did our special sessions, right? And then what ends up happening? We find out that uh, the Texas state body of lawmakers in their election integrity, go get them, Texas. Let's make those elections secure. Decriminalized election fraud. How do you do that, Texas? That's how good they are at bamboozling us, ladies and gentlemen. They passed election integrity bills to make Texas voters happy, and they decriminalized it in the same bill. Okay? But that's not where Dade Phelan commits his sins against the people of Texas and this nation, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, let, let's go ahead and I will uh, I will uh, regale you with the story, okay? So it says here, the author of the original election integrity bill, State Senator Brian Hughes, filed a fix. On Friday, Hughes and State Representative Mays Middleton filed identical bills that undo the legislature's unexplained decriminalization of illegal voting, a collection of offenses that include stealing votes, double voting, and other forms of cheating, and keep the current felony penalties. An offense under this section is a felony of the second degree unless the person is convicted of an attempt. In that case, the offense is a state jail felony. Hughes' bill is already scheduled for a public hearing on Monday. How we got here? Who in their right mind would agree to reducing the criminal penalties for voter fraud? Asked conservative grassroots leader Joe Ann Fleming. It turned out that Republican lawmakers did, as Texas Scorecard reported last week. Fleming's group was the first to discover that a last-minute change to Senate Bill 1, comprehensive election reform, passed during the second special legislative session in August, lowered the penalty for illegal voting from a second-degree felony to a Class A misdemeanor. It was the exact opposite of what Texas GOP grassroots and election integrity advocates told lawmakers they wanted. Since then, they've been pushing politicians to fix it. On Thursday, 10 days after grassroots first called out the last-minute election bill switch, Abbott added the voter fraud fix to his agenda for the ongoing third special session. Patrick quickly backed Abbott's move, claiming they and Attorney General Ken Paxton had found the problem and agreed it must be corrected. The political feud erupted on Thursday when Dade Phelan, Rhino Speaker of the House, tweeted he was not interested in restoring the stronger fraud penalties. Oh, guys, sorry. <laughs> You've been watching me read. My bad. 
What's up, Disco Ball Chaser? How's it going? But yeah, guys. Okay, guys. Dade Feelin. Dade Feelin. I got to do it one more time, y'all. And uh, Dade Feelin, guys. Rhino, Speaker of the House. Okay. Got to do it, y'all. Got to do it. Isn't that, isn't that crazy? Isn't that crazy? How on earth could this man say he is conservative? How on earth could this man say he's Republican? How on earth could this man... Wait, wait, wait. Let me put him back on the screen. How on earth could this man say he listens to his constituents, values, Texas, opinions, voters, the people that he works for, Dade Felon, thank you, Disco Ball Chaser. And uh, yes, we, we already talked about the whole Bear County Precinct thing at the beginning of the show. But uh, thanks for being in the audience. Dave, Dade, Dade Felon should be a felon. Ladies and gentlemen, this man does not listen to Texans. And uh, can you can you imagine that? Can you imagine that, guys? Can you imagine that? Dade Felon. His tweet. Let's see if it pulls it up. Maybe I should. Maybe. Oh, this tweet does not exist anymore. Huh? Makes you wonder why, doesn't it? Hilarious, right? Hilarious. Dade Phelan tweeted he was not interested in restoring the stronger fraud penalties. It continued with Fleming lobbing more questions at Patrick in a Thursday night email blast. Help us out here. Final SB1 was reviewed by the AG's office. Your Senate conference committee accepted bad House Amendment 50. And Governor Abbott signed the bill into law amid much confetti tossing. Are you saying your conference committee did not know what they approved? Are you saying Governor Abbott signed the bill not knowing SB1 lowered criminal penalties for voter fraud from a second-degree felony to a Class A misdemeanor? Wow, I guess you had to pass the bill and the governor had to sign it before you guys knew what was in it. Needless to say, guys, needless to say, the way this story ends, it ends with a... Uh, Great big sucking sound, ladies and gentlemen, just to do a throwback to Ross Perot, another great Texas politician. Let me tell you what, guys, let me tell you what. Currently in the state of Texas, for the 2022 midterms that will take place tomorrow, it is currently still a Class A misdemeanor to commit voter fraud. So you better believe that Dade Phelan and all of his moneyed interests assisted in the disenfranchising and the theft of whatever may occur tomorrow on election day. Because if those mules and if those harvesters realize that they're going to get off with a little slap on the hand and maybe a small fine instead of a felony, they're going to come out in droves tomorrow. They've probably been out in droves the entire early voting session this midterm. And it's a damn shame. Um, 
it is a priority first thing next session to get this uh fixed but rest assured 2022 will be vulnerable to criminals who could give a damn about misdemeanors so as long as they don't get a felony mark ladies and gentlemen disgusting right disgusting all right guys final story for tonight this one is a humdinger uh, we're talking about the Texas Railroad Commission and that race that is happening again tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow. What is going to, what are, how are you going to vote, Texas? How are you going to vote on this Texas Railroad Commissioner's race? I mean, this one's keeping me up at night, guys. What's going on, Subpack Vet? How you doing? Thanks for gifting the cookie. Uh... <laughs> No, at Mr. C, it's got to be a white rhino. It's an actual rhino species, brother. <laughs> you mean as opposed to the burnt orange rhino? Just kidding. <laughs> Anyways, it, need, uh, it needs to be prosecuted as identity theft then. You know what? You're right, actually. Thank you for that reminder, subpack of that. Um, yes. It, well, you know, I mean, that's, yeah, it does. If, if you're, I mean, okay, okay, yeah, uh, prosecute it as identity theft. That might actually be a helpful loophole now that you mention it, subpack of that, for prosecutors of crimes regarding elections. Because at the end of the day, it is all identity theft and identity fraud. If someone votes in your name or, you know, if, uh, there's any kind of harvesting going on with it too, because you don't know that your ballot made it to that box. If someone harvested or collected your vote, do you identity theft? All right. Hot tip and a good reminder sub pack vet. Thank you so much. All right. So uh, let's uh, let's dip into this guys railroad commissioners race. Who will you vote for now? The reason why this question becomes prominent and would keep someone like me awake at, you know, the middle of the night when I'm thinking about who am I going to vote for? Now, easy guys to say, uh, I would say I'm, I'm voting pretty much down ballot, all Republican or conservative, right? Yeah, I've, I've gone through the list of like, you know, uh, independents, uh, which in Texas would amount to a Green Party or I guess they're not truly independent, right? We got a Green Party and we got Libertarian. Uh, we don't really have any independent independence on the ballot in Texas, at least not, not on any of the races that I can vote for. Um, but, uh, you know, all of these things are considered here to be completely fair and American, ladies and gentlemen. It's about choosing your best candidate, not about voting on political party lines, right? I mean, that's common sense. Everyone knows that. So a race like the railroad commissioner's race is one that would cause me some consternation, if not a little bit of anxiety, when I'm trying to decide how I'm going to pick for this race. Now, here's the challenge. We have incumbent Wayne Christian, ladies and gentlemen, who has the blood of Texans on his hands. Now, make no mistake, guys. The Texas Railroad Commissioner, with its three commissioner chairs, are responsible for ensuring that the Texas power grid is up to snuff for any type of weather condition. It is their job, as assigned in the Texas Constitution 
and uh, with the rules and laws and regulations that are um, that are uh, that are binding for the role of the office of Texas Railroad Commissioner. Okay, it is their job. I don't care what federal or state agency that you might want to try and pawn off your responsibilities to. At the end of the day, the Texas Railroad Commissioner is the person responsible for the Texas power grid and for regulating Texas energy industries, okay? Now, by regulating, I don't mean like regulating into non-existence. I mean like ensuring that they are doing their job and that they're doing it in a way that is beneficial for Texas taxpayers, okay? Meaning we get cheap oil, we get cheap electricity, we get cheap natural gas, and we get cheap whatever resources we can, okay? And all of these businesses are within compliance to ensure that that benefit for Texas taxpayers stands. Whether it's a hurricane, whether it's an Arctic storm, whether it's a Texas heat wave, don't matter, okay? That's this man's job, okay? He's the incumbent. He's a Republican. He's a supposed conservative. And as a Republican voter myself, I have to decide if I want to keep this man in office simply because he is a Republican or if I am going to vote against him because he has the blood of Texans on his hands and he is absconded from his duty as commissioner and he still has not accepted the blame or the responsibility for the tragedy of 2021 in that Arctic storm that rolled across the Lone Star State. Okay, that's why I have anxiety over this race because I don't want a damn dirty Democrat in that office. However, I have to choose between an individual who um, I think could possibly get the job done. Now, why do you say he could get the job done, Mr. C? He's a damn dirty Democrat, right? Well, I say that because compared to his libertarian counterpart and compared to his Green Party counterpart, this is the only one next to Wayne Christian that could possibly inhabit that office and get the job done, okay? The libertarian candidate has book smarts, but he has no real world experience. You could tell by listening to his interviews. We watched two of them here at Lone Star State News. The Green Party candidate, I don't think that guy can breathe, you know, unless his mouth is open. So, you know, who do we have to choose from? Someone who has murdered Texans and has not taken a responsibility for his actions or someone who is probably going to try and make deals to bring green new deals and green energy to Texas and will inevitably in the future most likely hurt Texas taxpayers by clamping down on Texas energy industries, right? So for me, ladies and gentlemen, this is a game of strategy, okay? Now, honestly, in my opinion, the minute that that blood washed down the hands of Wayne Christian, he lost. But uh, I'm offering you guys this perspective in order to give myself a little bit more perspective and to kind of work my way through this process and to also kind of see what the audience is feeling and how they're gauging a race and a decision like this. With these facts on the table, how would you vote America? Would you vote on political party lines or would you vote strategy or would you vote 
for the best person for the job? That's a that's a valid question for people who really take this civic responsibility serious, guys. Because we don't play on party lines for the people who take this seriously. And I'm not saying that people who play on party lines don't. But you can imagine those ones are not losing sleep over a decision like this. Okay. All right. So here's from the Texas Standard. Railroad Commission candidates offer opposing visions of what will make oil and gas industry healthy. Let's take a look. The Railroad Commission of Texas has been called one of the most consequential climate-related offices in the country. So you know this is obviously a legacy press, you know, magazine, right? Okay. Yeah, climate, they're, they're, they're focused on climate-related consequences. You see why, you know, it's strategy if you vote for someone like Luke Warford and you're a conservative or a Republican. Democrat Luke Warford is challenging incumbent Wayne Christian for his seat. Okay, so this is this article is going to be it's going to have a, it's going to have a bent. It's going to have a slant. Get ready. OK, now this is from KUT. All right. If, if you really needed any evidence that's going to have a slant KUT. OK, now it says here, if you were near the Mount Carmel apartments in East Austin on a recent sunny morning, you might have spotted an unlikely celebrity in a little crowd gathered on the lawn. Jane Fonda. That's right, guys. Jane Fonda came to talk politics in Texas. Okay. Jane Fonda told KUT, I feel like I'm using my platform well. I kind of re-energize campaigns that are now kind of tired. You know, kind of like Jane Fonda is kind of tired, right? Fonda was also there to bring money from her climate change-focused political action committee to state political races and to whip up votes for the Democrats. There was one campaign in particular she wanted to talk about. I'm finding that there are these offices that wield tremendous power when it comes to the state, she said with a little chuckle, like the Railroad Commission. Despite the old-timey sounding name and uh, probably her voice as well, a seat on the Railroad Commission of Texas has been called one of the most consequential climate related. I don't know if I can get through this article, guys. Okay, so <laughs> I just feel like vomiting in my mouth reading this article, y'all. Okay, anyways, <laughs> let's get to Luke Warford, okay? Uh, in a lot of ways, this election cycle for this race is totally different than any that we've seen before, said Warford, because the issues are just way more in people's faces. Those include issues like uh, the Texas blackout last year, which caused in large part by the problems along the natural gas supply chain that the commission regulates. The role big industry donations play in railroad commission policy decisions, the current high price of natural gas, and the routine practice of gas flaring in the Texas oil fields, which waste gas and pollutes the environment. There's this really coherent story of regulatory capture of special interests having total power and control here, Warford said. Railroad commissioners just aren't enforcing the existing rules, and we see that across the board. Policy-wise, Warford supports renaming the commission so it makes sense to voters, creating a natural gas market to monitor a uh, natural gas market monitor to guard against price gouging, 
increasing the weatherization of gas infrastructure and reducing greenhouse gas and other emissions from Texas fossil fuel operations. Now, okay, so you see what I'm saying, guys? Now, if I had to stack Luke Warford against the libertarian candidate, uh, Diaz something or other is his name. Diaz, who has absolutely no real world experience, but you could clearly tell by looking at his campaign website that he copied and pasted everything he could about the position of railroad commissioner. And even in an interview admitted, oh, I didn't even want to run for railroad commissioner. But once the Libertarian Party signed me on to it, I hit the books and I learned as much as I could about the role. He's a college student who's being funded by his daddy. Okay. That's why I don't have confidence in the Libertarian candidate. What Luke Warford is saying here, I can get behind. Okay. A uh, monitor to guard against price gouging. As long as that monitor is not involved in monitoring carbon emissions, I'm good with it, okay? Changing the name from railroad commission to one that makes sense. What the office actually, the office has nothing to do with railroads. I can agree with that, okay? Increasing the weatherization of gas infrastructure is the exact job that Wayne Christian did not do that caused the death of hundreds of Texans, okay? That's a job that he's also going... The reason why he doesn't want to do that... Okay, so this is the reason as... I mean, okay, just a quick summation, guys, because we we, we we covered this story here at Lone Star State News um, months ago. But when Wayne Christian did not weatherize the gas infrastructure and the gas infrastructure, natural gas pipeline stopped being able to uh, send natural gas to uh, power plants that generate electricity. You see where the breakdown came? The uh, uh, the other energy industries, like the propane industry and other energy industries, they made billions of dollars because natural gas ceased to work. Electricity wasn't working. Can you imagine how much alternative fuels made during that blackout? Do you know how many kickbacks Wayne Christian and Governor Abbott got from those same industries after they banked billions of dollars because Texans could not use natural gas or electricity? Okay, that's what we're talking about here, guys. That's the blood of Texans on Wayne Christian's hands. That's where my consternation comes from, okay? I'm just sharing my process on this race with you guys, okay? So take it as you will. Now, I can get around no price gouging. I can get around changing the name. I can get around weatherization of gas infrastructure. I mean, I can get behind it. You know, I can get behind that. Reducing greenhouse gas and other emissions for Texas fossil fuel operations, I cannot. So this becomes a game of strategy for me. We get Luke Warford, a Democrat, in who will take care of the infrastructure. And since it's a staggered, it's a staggered, uh, office, meaning we have three commissioners, their office is staggered. So we vote in or we vote, we vote out or however we vote Wayne Christian commissioner seat. The next race will have the next commissioner. The next race will have the next commissioner. Okay. So you see where I'm going with the strategy, right? So you get someone like Warford, a Democrat in to fix the infrastructure and weatherize it. Okay. You get a guilty Texas rhino Wayne Christian out. And then that means in the next session, you have to get Warford out. And that means in the next session where we can vote for Warford, we need a strong conservative 
who will not try and ruin our uh, industry uh, for oil, uh, for uh, energy. Uh, you know, when it comes to energy, guys, I'm all for what's taxpayer beneficial. So I'm not beholden to the fossil fuel, which is a misnomer. I'm not beholden to the uh, oil industry, the uh, natural gas industry. I'm not beholden to any of these energy industries. But what I am saying is if it's beneficial, safe, cost-effective, for taxpayers, then that's what I support. Okay. Um, and, and, you know, that would also mean like uh, clean coal, right. And, and, and stuff. I'm, I mean, I support that as well. Right. I mean, and we have plenty of clean coal in this nation. They've just been shutting down the industries, you know, administrations like uh, this illegitimate Joe and also Obama's administration were doing and, and even, even Republicans and Democrats before that. Right. So anyways, that's what I'm talking about strategy guys. So I'm kind of going through my process on this race with you guys live on the air right now, just so you can see what I'm looking at. Because the fact that Wayne Christian still is not accepted responsibility, the fact that the Railroad Commission has still not weatherized our gas infrastructure, which means even though that Arctic storm that happened in 2021 was a 100-year storm, which means it probably won't happen again too soon, it could happen again. And we could have an, we could have a repeat of the same thing that happened in February of 2021 here in Texas. Okay, so that's kind of the long and short of it, guys. I won't belabor the point any longer. Um, I'll have to pull the I'll have to pull the episode where we we talked about the Texas power grid, and we broke down exactly how it was uh, how it was um, you know, I mean how it just broke down. I mean, seriously, uh, I had found this article, very interesting article, and we'll close with this for today. Thanks again for being here for Lone Star State News. We had a jam-packed episode today. I told you it was a jam-packed episode, guys, but I uh, will close with this. Now, I actually was able to procure this from the San Antonio Express News from behind a paywall, but uh, back in 2021, they published this article, and uh, the article is called... Um, Collective amnesia, Texas politicians knowingly blew three chances to fix the failing power grid. Okay. So, I mean, it's this interesting breakdown that goes back probably about a decade, you know, talking about which uh, Texas politicians failed in regard to it. And then kind of comparing previous weather events to uh, winter storm Yuri, which is the name of the Arctic storm that came through in February, right? Anyhow, uh, so uh, I wanted to share some of this with you guys because I just think it's it's very interesting. So let's just let's just rip into this real quick. It'll be our last bit of info for today's episode of Lone Star State News. Again, thank you for tuning in and not tuning out. Now, uh, from this article, lower prices for big business, the modern deregulated Texas power market was set up in the late 1990s to replace the state controlled system through which Texans had gotten their electricity for close to a century. Rising power prices had become increasingly unpopular among the public and industry, in particular, the petrochemical plants and refineries lining the Gulf Coast. In terms of prices, the plan worked especially for big business. Since 2001, the last year before deregulation, average industrial electricity rates in Texas declined by 7%, according to the federal data ending in 2020. 
Over the same period, average residential rates grew almost 30%, though they remain well below the national average. Cheap power for industry has fed the oil and petrochemical boom along the Gulf Coast and West Texas and attracted new companies to Houston, Dallas, San Antonio, and Austin. It also creates a new industry, power retailing, with hundreds of companies springing up to act as middlemen negotiating lower prices from generators in order to amass more customers and boost their profits. This was never done to benefit the residential customer, said Robert Kulik, the former head of communications at Lower Colorado River Authority, the Austin-based nonprofit that manages power plants and hydroelectric dams across Texas. It was for the big guys and those who wanted to sell power into the market and make big profits. Under the old system, utilities had to keep enough capacity to adequately serve every customer in their area. But under deregulation, that responsibility was handed to the so-called invisible hand of the free market. The system worked for a time relying primarily on old infrastructure built during the unregulated era. But as that equipment aged and the state's population boomed, Texas power grid has become increasingly stained. The first real sign of trouble came in February 2011, when freezing temperatures across Texas forced ERCOT to rotate outages for two days during Super Bowl weekend, impacting 4.4 million customers. Lawmakers assessing the fallout were incredulous and angry. Was Texas, no stranger to hurricanes and other weather catastrophes, really so ill-prepared to handle a nasty winter storm? There's no secret that winter comes around once a year, said Senator Mike Jackson of Laporte. Legislators introduced a flood of bills requiring the PUC to buy more backup generation and penalizing companies that did not meet reliability standards. But as they would time and again in the years ahead, Texas elected leaders opted not to take significant action, convinced their free market power system, less regulated than any grid in the country, ultimately would find a way to keep the lights on. Public Utility Commission Chairman Barry Smitherman was asked during the ensuing legislative hearings whether the legislature needed to change the law to force power plants to weatherize. Smitherman demurred. I think we have all the authority we need, Mr. Chairman, Smitherman said, adding that the Public Utility Commission would consider tweaks to its rules to ensure that the power grid remained reliable. The companies are going to have to take the initiative to get this done. Behind the scenes, electric utilities, and you see, that's what I'm saying, guys. It is the railroad commissioner's responsibility to ensure that these businesses, ladies and gentlemen, are following, uh, are remaining reliable, okay? And, and there are actual written laws and words that they could enforce to ensure that these companies are weatherized and that they are reliable during incum in in incum incumbent inclement weather. Excuse me. Article goes on to say, <coughs> oh, pardon me. 
Behind the scenes, electric utilities and large consumers of electricity, such as refineries and computer manufacturers, were lobbying hard against stronger weatherization measures, arguing it would raise energy costs, recalled Tom Smitty-Smith, who at the time led the activist group Texas Public Citizen. A recent study by the Federal Reserve Bank of Dallas estimated the cost of winterizing natural gas plants after the 2011 storm, the largest source of outages during the February blackout, at $95 million in today's money. Much of that would have fallen on the state's industrial companies, which account for more than half of Texas power consumption. In Austin, those companies wield outsized influence. Representatives of the energy, natural resources, and waste industry spent a combined $64 million lobbying the Texas legislature in 2011, more than any other sector, according to an analysis of the 2011 lobbying contracts by the liberal watchdog group Texans for Public Justice. It might have cost an extra few dollars a year on the average residential consumer electric bill to have protected ourselves from this problem. Our legislators got convinced by the big electric utilities and industrial customers that this would cost too much. And now we're fitting the bill for those blackouts as taxpayers. San Antonio and Bear County getting hit among the hardest since the mayor of our city also sits on the electricity board of our city. Hmm. So anyhow, 2000 regulation had no teeth. As a result, the only legislation to come out of the 2011 storm was a minor bill from then state Senator Glenn Hegar, who is currently our comptroller. And uh, that bill required power companies to file weatherization plans with the Public Utilities Commission every year. So file your plan, but then uh, I guess the question is, who's going to hold you accountable for following through on that plan, right? Two months after that bill was signed into law, the Federal Energy Regulation Commission and the North American Electri Electric Reliability Corporation put out a report of more than 350 pages urging Texas to enact stricter weatherization standards for power plants and natural gas operators. And they did to a degree with ERCOT putting out best practices, conducting annual workshops and inspecting plants every three to four years. But there were two problems. First, despite FERC's recommendation, the state legislature never gave the Public Utility Commission authority to penalize power plants that did not comply, making weatherization voluntary. While progress was made, some companies opted not to bring their plants up to code, said, said Rickerson, the ERCOT vice president. Ultimately, those were financial decisions that had to be made, he said. How much is someone willing to invest in a power plant that's 50 years old and going to retire in a few years. More significantly, the best practices ERCOT was sharing were designed for a cold snap like that seen in 2011. While cold, with temperatures in Dallas dropping as low as 14 degrees, it was nothing compared to the 1989 winter storm when temperatures dropped to 7 degrees in Houston and minus 7 in Abilene let alone 1899 when the state's all-time low temperature of minus 23 degrees was set in the panhandle town of Tulia. 
So when temperatures dipped into single digits for days on end this February, most Texan power, Texas power plants were simply not prepared. Exterior control equipment and fuel lines froze, not to mention coal piles and wind turbine blades. One power plant under freezing for 200 plus hours. That's not a thing, right? Said Chris Moser, executive vice president of operations for NRG Energy of expectations going into the winter. If you look at the math ERCOT did prior to the seasonal assessment, it looked like there was plenty of power. But then you have 80 to 85 plants not showing up. It was a failure of imagination. As for Hegar's legislation, it has proved even more toothless than it appeared at the time. You see how they do us, Texas? You see how they do us? According to a recent report from ERCOT, the agency was never given authority to judge the weatherization plans, but only to check that they were being implemented. So how can you blame ERCOT, Wayne Christian? And a requirement in Hegar's bill that the Public Utility Commissions produce a one-time weather emergency preparedness report, which was quietly published in 2012, and found that many power companies were still doing a poor job implementing reforms, drew little attention from state officials, Governor Abbott. Yeah, because he also blames ERCOT instead of Wayne Christian. A decade later, Hegar, now the Texas Comptroller, described his bill as politics being the art of the possible, saying the legislature should have taken a much more active role in 2011. Hegar! I'm still going to vote for you, you bastard. 2012, a hard no from oil and gas. Texas natural gas also froze up during the 2011 storm, but the gas producers not even less got even less scrutiny than the power companies. Shortly after that event, federal officials recommended the state consider minimum uniform standards for winterizing natural gas wells and processing facilities, as well as labeling them critical facilities exempted from rolling blackouts like hospitals and water treatment plants. And for those of you just joining us, ladies and gentlemen, we are talking about the Texas Railroad Commission race that you will be voting on tomorrow, midterm 2022 in Texas elections. That's what this is all about. Mm -hmm. The industry has long held sway over politicians in Texas, where it is not only a huge employer, but also a massive campaign contributor. Perhaps nowhere is that more apparent than the oddly named Texas Railroad Commission, where fundraising from the very companies the agency regulates is considered essential to winning a seat on the three-member commission. Gas is nearly unregulated, said Peter Crampton, a former ERCOT board member and economist at the University of Maryland. The Railroad Commission's mission is quite different than the mission of ERCOT, which has a public service mission. Their mission is to support the oil and gas industry. There's no indication the Railroad Commission even considered the federal recommendation that it mandate gas facilities weatherize after the failures of 2011. Even now, in the wake of the devastating blackout in February, Railroad Commissioners are resisting such standards, with Railroad Commissioner Wayne Christian calling those efforts part of a never-ending war against the money I get in my back pocket. And he said that in March, op-ed in the Wall Street Journal. Okay, to be fair, Wayne Christian said it is part of a never-ending war against fossil fuels. 
but I'm pretty sure it's also a war against the money he receives under the table. Even the task of getting gas facilities exempted from rolling blackouts never came to fruition, with only small numbers of companies alerting utilities to their need. In the 2012, in 2012, the Public Utility Commission and Texas Railroad Commission jointly published a report calling for better coordination between the gas and power sectors to ensure a more reliable gas supplying during power shortages. Following spring, the Railroad Commission issued a letter urging operators of gas infrastructure such as pipelines and compressors to sign them up as critical loads, warning many natural gas facilities rely on electricity to operate, and many electricity-producing facilities rely on natural gas to make that electricity. What an interesting symbiotic relationship, right? But few gas facilities did a failure did a failure that would come back to haunt them when winter storm Yuri hit in February. When temperatures first began falling around Midland three months ago, uh, gas production plunged more than 20% over five days, according to estimates by the research from firm by the research firm Wood McKenzie. But production would drop far further when ERCOT began rotating outages February 14th leaving gas operators that had not enrolled as critical facilities without power. Encore, the utility covering North and West Texas, said only 35 gas operations in the Permian Basin had signed up prior to the February cold snap, compared to the almost 170 that signed up after they had already been shut off during the freeze. Testifying at the legislature after the storm, Christy Craddock, chair of the Railroad Commissioner, Sorry, she is a railroad commission commissioner, Christy Craddock, said she did not know that companies could sign up to avoid having power shutoffs. You see that? This other commissioner, Christy Craddock, right? And the Craddock family is deep Texas, right? The old school Texas money and uh, uh, power politics. Christy Craddock did not even know that it was part of her responsibility as a commissioner to ensure that companies could sign up to avoid having their power shut off. I didn't know that was an opportunity, says Christy Craddock. She's another one that needs to go. She's another Republican conservative. Guys, I'm a registered Republican. These people are refusing to do their job. In fact, they should be impeached, ladies and gentlemen. They should all be impeached, okay? All three of the sitting Texas Railroad Commissioners should be impeached. They should have been impeached back in February of 2021. All right. You have your chance with Wayne Christian tomorrow. And I'm telling you guys, what is best for Texas with a little strategy? Or are we going to play political party lines? This is just not acceptable, guys. It's just not acceptable. Okay. When the Railroad Commissioner issued its 2013 letter about the importance of exempting critical gas infrastructure from blackouts, Craddock's name was on the letterhead. Jennifer Hubbs, a former analyst for the Public Utilities Commission who wrote the Texas Energy Assurance Plan, said there was little appetite among Craddock and other officials to affect real reforms in the system. Jennifer Hubbs said, The few steps we were permitted to take, such as the Railroad Commissioner letter, ignored, were ignored and forgotten. Craddock spokeswoman Mia Hutchins 
And Craddock was said Craddock was not aware of the 2013 letter when she testified in February. Under the existing system, there is a limited incentive for natural gas plants to weatherize. Unlike power plants, which under ERCOT rules are required to buy electricity in the event they cannot generate, often at inflated prices, natural gas producers are assessed no penalty for failing to deliver. There's your Craddock. When wells freeze, they're not producing gas and therefore not making money. But during such a shortage, a natural gas company producing at only half its normal output still could make 50 times what it would on a normal day. Gas prices on the Houston Ship Channel soared more than 100-fold from 372 per million British thermal units on February 11th to $400 on February 17th. You guys got that? $3.72 on February 11th to $400 per million British thermal units. Vistra Energy, one of the state's biggest power generators known for its TXU Energy brands, started receiving word from its gas suppliers on Friday, February 12th, that because of the freezing conditions, it would not be able to deliver on its gas contracts for the coming weekend, said CEO Kurt Morgan. We had to go into the open market and buy what gas we could find, he said. In that one week, we spent double what we spent in the entirety of 2020. For the oil and gas sector, however, the blackout presented a potentially large financial windfall. The president of Jerry Jones Oil Company, Comstock Resources, called the blackout a jackpot on a call with investors, while the pipeline company, Kinder Morgan, reported a $1.4 billion profit for the first three months of the year, more than twice what analysts had anticipated, primarily on the basis of gas sales during the blackout. In recent months, gas producers have acknowledged the need to weatherize their operations against the cold. Yet they could they continue to argue that government mandates requiring them to do so are unnecessary. The market can provide the signals that are necessary to make sure the product flows, said Todd Staples, president of the Texas Oil and Gas Company Association. That is pretty crazy, isn't it, ladies and gentlemen? That is pretty crazy, guys. So uh, that's a little bit of a backstory on what we're looking at with this Railroad Commission race with uh, some of the players in there. Again, I'm only highlighting Wayne Christian and Luke Warford today. We already talked about the other two. Um, so, you know, guys, I'm leaning towards strategy on this one. That's just my own personal you guys vote your conscience. <laughs> but uh, Wayne Christian has refused to take responsibility. Wayne Christian has absconded accountability on all parts, including his own. And Wayne Christian has also received a handsome payout from the oil and the, sorry, from the energy industry in uh, light of that winter tragedy, tragedy from a few years ago. So anyhow, guys, 
I think that is going to wrap it up for us this afternoon. Thank you for hanging out for a special early and extra long edition of Lone Star State News. We're doing it early because we've got President Trump and a Save America rally happening this evening. We'll be on the air early for an amalgamated version of the C-Report. So I would expect us on maybe about, uh, let's say 5, 5.30, if not sooner. Uh, we'll have... a. Uh, Co-host Java joining us also for the proceedings. We'll uh, we'll tailgate. We'll rally. We'll take a look at what is going on in uh, Ohio today. Is where Save America rally will find us. Valania uh, or Vandalia, Ohio. I forget the way it, it's 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 in the Dayton area. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, President Trump set to hit the stage 7 p.m. Central Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Time. So we'll be live here early for that. Uh, till then, ladies and gentlemen, uh, vote good, vote well, just go and vote. Tomorrow, it is Election Day midterm, and it is perhaps the most important election that we have seen since 2020 and 2016, at least. We'll be live again tomorrow here at Mr. CTV, but uh, make sure you come back. For Lone Star, for uh, the C Report this afternoon, and uh, the Save America rally live from Ohio, we'll be uh, doing that here at Mr. CTV. Thanks for hanging out this afternoon, guys. If you were live with us over at the Foxhole, Pilled, uh, Twitch, Trobo, Clout Hub, Odyssey, Rumble, uh, and thank you to all the new supporters and subscribers. Uh, welcome on in to the show. Welcome on in to Mr. CTV. I have been your host for the last two and a half hours. My name is Mr. C. I'm also known as Michael Aaron Cassidis. Call me as you will. But uh, we'll see you on the next edition of Lone Star State News for Mr. C TV. And we'll see you this afternoon for another edition of The C Report. Take care till then. Ta-ta. government money H-E-B groceries would lose if we started drug testing people who get food stamps that's how they did us Texas that's how they did us they passed an election any of you guys think that truth vote was set up by the FBI Busting down the walls of not just the political rhinos, but... I like Moonlight as someone who knows a thing or two every now and then. Wanna vote on election day?
Can you imagine having an AG that uh, her specialty is uh, getting human traffickers off on lighter sentences? How about we focus on Paul Pelosi's stock portfolio instead of who he's playing whack the wee-wee with and their tidy whities okay? Post office man found uh, going across the border to Canada with uh, a cart full of Trump supporting uh, ballots. Uh, California ballots for Trump supporters go missing for the military. Next stop, beep, beep, communism. Kind of like Kintanji Brown Jackson over there at the Supreme Court doing her bit with the uh, the pedophiles and the uh, child pornographers. Uh, oh no, 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 rest assured you did not step in to a Mandela effect. It's time for season two of the January 6th Unselect Committee. Whoop-de-doo, right? <laughs> My mind is not what it used to be, ladies and gentlemen. Wait until, do you want to be part of that tsunami? Okay, because if you vote early, you're not part of the tsunami. I'm just saying, encountering illegal aliens in the wild, does that sound too racist for anyone? Thank goodness for the internet, where we're not printing a paper. Ah, just kidding. You know, I'm not that kind of uh, tree hugger. It was a total shim sham flim flam. It was almost as if Katie Hobbs was running the nation's elections and just making a terror out of it. Check out the political truth apparel line. Covfefe. Rhino hunting season. Secretary of snakes. And more to come. Fun, fashionable, edgy, cational. Go to Mr. C Online Store at www.thecreport.com. Click on the top right menu. Use coupon code 1776REBORN at checkout.